Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for November 29th is 1 Corinthians chapters 1 through 4. Yesterday, we read Acts 17 and 18, how Paul was on the missionary journey in Corinth and how things were going there. And now we're following that up with his letter back to those believers who came to faith as a result of his preaching, most of them. But not only his, also Apollos, and here we read about Sosthenes and many of the other leaders who were with Paul. And so we see this movement of Christianity is not about one man. It's not even about one man's ministry or what any one particular person can do. It should also be pointed out that this letter is not just to the Corinthians, but as Paul writes in verse 2, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called as saints with all those in every place who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul gets credit for writing many books of the New Testament, almost all of the epistles. However, it's not just Paul much of the time. It's Paul and Timothy or Paul and Sosthenes. Some divisions had arisen in the Corinthian church because people were following the teachings of different apostles or leaders during that time. Some were following Paul. And some people would say, I follow Peter. Your Bible might say Cephas in verse 12. And then some people would get it right and say, no, I'm just following Jesus. I belong to Christ, the Messiah. Christians should not divide. I believe denominations within modern Christianity, as well-intentioned as they are, the result is they divide people. Even our individual houses of faith divide us much of the time if we don't have the proper outlook. We are not to be limiting our fellowship only to the people that visit the same church we do. We are to seek after those who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who are calling on the name of Jesus, regardless of where they attend a fellowship. One of the benefits of meeting with other people regularly and having deep relationships with other people who maybe go to a different kind of church than you do, is that you will learn from them. You will be challenged by them. Unfortunately, a lot of our different denominational seminaries will instruct young men and women how to defend their faith, how to interpret the Bible through their ideological beliefs and their doctrines. And so these young minds who are zealous for ministry go in and are unintentionally indoctrinated, being taught why they believe what they believe, and by extension, why all others are wrong. And it's caused many fractions within the church. We are so free in North America to practice our faith that there's literally tens of thousands of different variations of doctrinal beliefs within evangelical Christianity. There's more than 1,200 different kinds of just Baptist. Churches are dividing over what color carpet to install, or whether they should have pews or chairs, or how high the stage should be, or what songs they sing. And it should not be this way. In many ways, our religious liberty, the freedoms that we share, have really harmed us more than they've helped us. So just as Paul wrote this letter 
to all believers everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's take it to heart when he says, why are you divided? Why is there rivalry among you? I didn't come to make converts or even to baptize people. And I'm thankful, Paul says, that I didn't baptize hardly any of you so that you can't say you were immersed into my name. In fact, I only came to preach the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And I didn't even do it with eloquent words. He states that he came with fear and with trembling, not with the wisdom of this world, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. So nobody could say it was Paul and his gracious eloquence that mesmerized us and convinced us to follow him. Oh, how glorious it will be when Christian pastors no longer spend hours and hours trying to sound good, but they spend hours and hours on their knees in the secret place so they can be empowered from on high. And when people glean from their messages, it will be because of what God has done, not because of what these people have done. God has chosen the insignificant things of this world to shame the significant. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. Not many of you were wise or of noble heritage when God called, so that no one may boast in his presence. It's all about him. He gets the glory. Anything that we do for the kingdom, we're only using the tools that he provided anyway. And therefore, let's just worship him and not elevate one another. As Paul says in chapter 2, verse 4, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. Oh, how we need that in the church today. We have far too much dependence upon persuasive words and the wisdom of this world. Maybe that's why the church is so weak and divided. How much longer before we give up listening to well-crafted oratories that have no power and instead just get on our faces before God in the secret place that he would reveal truth to us, that he would show himself glorious in his power so that you wouldn't have to take my word for it. Verse 10 says, God reveals these things to us by the Spirit, how much more we need of his Spirit. So we say, come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us. Illumine the dark areas. Teach us. Inspire us to do better. Verse 14 says, the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is as foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it because it is discerned or received or evaluated spiritually. Even in the church, there have been many movements to stifle the Spirit and focus on the physical. Some churches are built all around what the gospel will do for you to make you richer or more successful. Money is just a tool, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so let's not focus on the money. Let's not focus on the things. Let's focus on the spirit, power to change, power to stop sinning, 
power to desire reading the Bible rather than watching Netflix, this would be a true work of God. If Paul appeared to them with with a trembling voice and much fear and yet preached the truth anyway, how much more difficult might it have been for him to pen these words in chapter 3? I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. He literally calls them babies in Christ. It's good that they are in Christ, but it's quite shameful that they are still babies. What is our spiritual maturity? Are we focused on the things of the flesh? If so, we are babies in Christ and it's time to grow up. They could only drink milk. They couldn't eat the meat of spiritual depth because they would choke on it because they were still worldly. Their minds couldn't hold it. They were envious of one another. They were causing strife with one another. They were competing. And verse 3 says, acting like mere humans. You're acting like humans. You're a new creation. Don't you understand? People argue with one another. People envy one another. People compete with one another and try to make themselves feel better than the person next to them. Try to be more successful. Try to win the argument. That's what people do. You're not just people anymore. In verse 10, Paul says he laid a foundation, and that foundation is Christ. And he did it as an expert builder would, showing that he cared, he studied, he did his very best, but all of the credit goes to Jesus. He built the foundation, another one builds upon it. It doesn't really matter who's who, all of the glory goes to God. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your ministry accomplished if it wasn't done with the best of intentions, and actually by the power of the Holy Spirit, because all of our work is going to be tested with fire. And if you labored with the things of the Spirit, things that are equated to precious metals and valuable gems, it will last through the fire and you'll receive a reward. But for those who labor with hay and wood and things that perish, The fire will consume those works, and that person will still be saved, in verse 15, but only as though he escaped through fire. When you escape through fire, you bring nothing with you, and when given the choice to enter in to Jesus' millennial kingdom, where he's physically reigning on earth, would you like to be rewarded like the good and faithful servant, or would you like to just barely scrape in as though you were running out of your house as it was on fire and collapsing all around you? The answer is obvious. All that matters, friends, is doing it his way, producing fruit in keeping with having been abiding in him, doing only what he is calling us to do, doing it for his glory, perhaps even anonymously, dying to our own flesh and following him day after day. In keeping with this eternal fire test of our works and testing our ministry in chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Don't judge anything prematurely, 
before the Lord comes, who will bring to light what is hidden and reveal the intentions of the heart. Many of us would look on the affliction or the blessing of other people and assume God is either against them or for them based on what they have. But let's be very careful about judging prematurely. When somebody's walking through a season that I don't understand, far be it from me to judge that person or assume I know what's going on in their mind or even that I know what God might be speaking to them. Remember that the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And when things look really crazy, it might be that God's right in the midst of it. Remember when God told Hosea to marry a prostitute? I'm sure lots of people thought he was absolutely crazy. Many people surely thought he was not hearing from God. Why would God would never tell you to marry a prostitute? And here it is in the scripture, thousands of years later. God is not changing, friends. And so it's not our place to assume when somebody is doing something that we don't understand, if they're not downright sinful, if they're not hurting other people, let's not assume that God didn't tell them because it's not our place. Chapter 4, verse 14 says, I am not writing these things to shame you, but I'm writing these things because I love you as a father dearly loves his children, not as an instructor, not as a teacher who you won't see again, but as a father. I'm here forever. I'm invested in your future. How well you do is actually a reflection in some ways on how well I did. So even we as teachers, we as leaders in the body of Christ, let us love one another. Let us care for those whom God has given us. And in so doing, we will give God all of the glory. Verse 20 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but one of power. There is true power in love, my friends. Let's love one another and advance the kingdom this way, not just with, not just with words, but with love. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow. And for those of you who are interested, it is my honor to help people buy and sell real estate. I am a strategic listing specialist and a senior real estate specialist. If this ministry blesses you at all, please consider allowing me the privilege of helping with your real estate needs. And if you are already a real estate professional, we'd love to speak with you about partnering with us at Call It Closed International Realty. Thank you for your consideration. You can get more information at agentdaviddoty.com.